A consistent body care routine is a really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy, glowing skin. It actually boosts our mental health, too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed-infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Butter is not your typical body butter. It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin, and it's my absolute favorite. I use Osea's products religiously, and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but Osea's body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda. And it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skin care is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hey, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I am sitting in my podcast chair or my podcast throne. It is more of a throne than a chair with a cup of tea. I'm just curled up here taking a moment. I just had lunch with Leia and excited to sit here and dive into this podcast right now. Like I'm sitting here with an actual topic in mind. I have been wanting, I've been cautiously wanting to do an episode about this topic, but I've also been a little bit nervous around it because I feel like I like to become, or I like to feel like I really know something before I talk about something, (laughs) you know, that's just the kind of person that I am. And I'm going to share about something right now that I feel I am a total beginner at still, but I'm getting so many questions around it. And I've learned so much on this short journey of mine that I really feel it is worthy of its own podcast episode. So without further ado, this is The Running episode. We're going to talk about running today. I'm really, really excited. I'm also a little like concerned about my excitement because people keep asking me like if I'm in the middle of a, of a, can I, it's not a midlife crisis, I guess. It's, what is this? Like a quarter? If I'm 32, can it still be a quarter life crisis? <laughs> can I please be like 120, what, eight? Can I be 128 years old and this is my quarter life crisis? That would be great. Thanks. But seriously, if you have listened to this show for a while, like if you follow me online, if you've been a part of my journey for a little bit, you probably know that for as long as I can remember, I have had this deep seated yearning to become a runner. Now, I don't know where it comes from. Like, I just, I I don't really know why I have this longing, where it comes from, or like, you know, what's kind of underneath there, because it's very, very specific. But for as long as I can remember, I have wanted to be one of those people who run. 
And I've had a lot of cycles and phases where I think like, okay, I'm going to pick up running now. Now is a good time. And all of a sudden I put on my running shoes and I start going for runs. And every time I do, I hate it. I mean, I really, really do. I have been my whole life one of those people who are just super vocal about the fact that people who run, like who actually run, who call themselves runners, especially people who run long distances, like they're all insane, right? There's there's nothing normal or natural about those kinds of people. They're all crazy, like literally crazy, because that's how I felt about running for as long as I can remember. It's just the hardest thing I can possibly imagine. That's literally it. For me, every time I've tried to get into running, it's been one of those things where I just, I, I want to feel good while doing it, but I never have. I want to get into that place of that runner's high that people talk about. I've never experienced it. So I would, I would go through these cycles of like, I'm into running. This is my moment. It's happening. And then I would run a couple times and then I would quit, right? Something would happen. I would miss a day or all of a sudden I didn't want to do it. And then, you know, I just forgot that that was something I was doing and then I didn't do it again. And then six months later, like I would start back up, like maybe I can be a runner, you know, maybe, maybe I can be that person. And I honestly, like I was going to say, I don't know what's changed now, but I do know a couple of things that have changed because all of a sudden, lo and behold, okay, I'm like scared to say it. (laughs) I'm scared to say it. Okay. Tentatively, I'm going to say, I think maybe sort of perhaps cautiously, optimistically, I can say that I have kind of started running. (laughs) I'm sort of a runner. (laughs) Oh God, I can't even say it. And like, I can't even say it with a straight face because (laughs) it's just not who I am. How long do you have to run consecutively before you can actually call yourself a runner? Like, yeah, I'm a runner. Like I'm a person who runs. That's part of my life. I run, right? I'm one of those people. (laughs) I don't know how long, like how long you have to run before you can confidently say that, but I think I have crossed that threshold. It's been almost two months of me running really fairly intensely. Like I had to go back into my Instagram to to look because that's how I document my life. And very beginning of December, something, I don't know why I just put on my shoes one day and I went for a run. Like that's just, you know, and It probably would have been one of those regular cycles where I start running a little bit and I just end up hating it and end up stopping, right? But something changed this time around where I didn't stop. And that was beginning of December and now it's beginning of February. So it's been two whole months of me running. And actually today marks my 16th consecutive day of running in a row. Like I have, I've gone for a run every day, 16 days straight. And I even like looked through my little, so I wear one of these of these ridiculous watches that tell you that tell you how you're doing as you move your body right and it comes with like a little calendar thing in the app and I had to give myself a little a little moment of recognition because I went back into that app just to see like how much did I run in January you know what was that like and turns out I ran 21 days the month of January, like 21 days. I only had 10 days when I didn't run all through that month. So like, that's really, 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 really amazing. And the fact that I've been running for 16 days straight, it's, it's, 
it means I can really say like, I'm one of those people now who run. Now, I don't want to like, the reason I didn't really know if I should do a podcast about this or not is because I, I'm such a beginner. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I also feel really, you know, like I don't want to talk as if I know something about running because I know nothing about running. Right. So how can I really have a podcast episode about something that I know nothing about? But actually what I realize is really fascinating is the amount of people writing me saying, but Hey, what happened? You, you always hated running. Like what changed? And I just made me realize that so many people out there are just like me or have been just like me, where running just has been this elusive thing way out in the distance that you just can't figure out or where running is so awfully difficult, right? It's just so hard all the way through that the idea of doing it is just dreadful. And then all the way through it, you feel awful. And then maybe you have that moment afterwards where you feel a little bit accomplished, like, yay, I went for that run today. But actually... Was it worth it? No. <laughs> like I never, I, I mean, before this, before this new phase of my life, I never felt like it was worth it. I never had one of those moments where like I had a great run. No, they were all awful. They were all awful all the time. <laughs> Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. So just imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. I have always loved learning languages. I speak four fluently. They're so interesting. And I've even noticed that sometimes the language you speak can influence pieces of your personality. Learning my husband's native language made us understand each other on a whole new level. Now Babbel has gifted me my own account and I can't wait to dive in. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you actually start speaking a new language. It's designed by real people for real conversations. And their advanced speech recognition is like having your own personal language coach to help you improve your pronunciation so you can get prepped and confident for real-world conversations. Just 15 hours with Babbel is equal to one university semester. Overall, they have more than 13,000 hours of learning content, and you can browse more than 20,000 courses offered every month. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash yoga. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash yoga, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash yoga. Rules and restrictions may apply. So I want to back up a little bit. When I look back at my life and kind of my own history of running or my relationship with running or, or just moving my body overall. When I was, before I was a teenager, so when I was like a preteen, I think from when I was nine, when I moved to Stockholm from, from Uppsala, where I was born, I started with athletics. So I was super, super into three things specifically, the high jump, which I was really into because my dad competed in the Swedish championships. He was like a super high jumper. Is that a word? I don't know. I just coining that term, a high, a super high jumper. <laughs> like, you, you know what I'm talking about. The long jump where you like jump as long or as far as you can and short distance running and short distance running was like my main thing. I was really, really, really 
fast when I was little, like super fast. We would have these championships every year when I went to school. We, we, I went to school really close to the Stockholm Stadium, which is like our one big stadium that we have in downtown Stockholm. It was where the Olympics were held in 1912. Like it's written on the side of the stadium. It was like the Olympics was held there. It was a huge thing. And it's like a full Olympic stadium. And my school, when I was little, was right next to it, literally. Like, I lived across the street from Stockholm Stadium. And we sometimes would train there or we would have, like, PE things happening there. And every year there was, like, a little championship where different schools in the district would compete against each other. And every year I won the short distance. And the short distance at that time, so I was probably... How old was I then? Maybe 11 or 12 or something was 60 meters. So like really short. And then I graduated to a hundred meters and I started running the hundred meter races. And for a while, like say like ages, what, nine to 14, I think maybe nine to 13. Like there was like a four year, maybe five year period where I was very, very, very into athletics. And part of this was because of my dad. He was really talented and like, I remember my coaches that I had, then they knew of my dad. Like it was something like, like a little bond I had with my dad at the time, which was really beautiful. And every day after school, even when I was 10, which is fairly young, like I would get on the subway and I would ride the subway all the way to Skärholmen. No, where did I go first? I went to Breading. <laughs> Any Swedish people you guys know. Took the red line from Stadion to Breading, which is like just one train that you take. But it's a pretty far ride. And I think about that, like I did that every day, all the time. Like we had so many practices. And then on the weekends, if there were competitions, I would compete and I was really good at it. And even then, like I was like, you know, young and healthy and training a lot and really excited to be doing this thing I was really good at. Every time we trained, we had to also train long distance running. It was just like, like a cardio thing, like just to be in shape. Right. So it wasn't like I would show up for practices and just practice the short distance drills. Like we had drills of different kinds. And there was always a component of like warming up where you had to, if it was at the stadion or if it was outside, we had to go for a run in the woods, like a long run for me it was a long run. I don't know, a couple of kilometers at the time. I don't know. Or if we were indoors, if it wasn't too cold, we would, we would be indoors in this, in this like practice gymnasium hall thing. We had to run like on the track, like several, several loops to warm up. And every time I would try to bail, I was like really good at convincing my coach that like, this is not what I do. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not the long distance person. And for me, like a long distance was even like 200 meters. Like that to me was like stupid. Why would people want to run that far, <laughs> you know, or people wanting to do like a 3k or a 5k or like people just people who went for runs and ran for, for more than whatever eight, what was it? 7.9 seconds that I ran my 60 meter race or whatever it was. Like, I thought that was ridiculous. So whenever we were outside and we had practices, I would pretend to go for that longer run to warm up. And I would cut across the woods, like through these little trails that I knew, and just sit on a rock and wait for everybody else to get to, to, be, to be done. And then I would like, the last 50 meters, I would be like, I can do it. Oh, you know, and I would stand there in front of my coach, like panting, like, that was a tough run. You know, I'm ready. I'm warmed up. But like, I never ran. I never did it. I never did that thing. And I don't know why. Like, I have asthma. I've had asthma since I was four. 
I, it's genetic. I mean, I'm really sure it's genetic and environmental. Like I think all these things play a role, but my dad has really intense asthma and has had his entire life since he was super little. My sister has, has, is asthmatic. We also have allergies. Like I used to be allergic to everything. Now I only have a couple of things that remain, but we have some like respiratory stuff in the family, right? And when I was little, the asthma was one of those things that was really at the forefront of my life. Like I remember all the time, like when I was little, my parents would caution me to like, don't run too far, you know, don't like run too fast. Like don't go over, you know, I couldn't pet a dog, couldn't be in a house if there was a cat there. My family, like on both sides, both my mom's and my dad's side of the family, there are farmers and like countryside people. And my aunts and my cousins, they literally have a dairy farm. And on the other side of the family, my, my grandma used to breed horses. Like there's always a lot of animals around. And I was the one kid in the whole family that like couldn't deal with animals. So it was always a thing. Like I had to take all of my, my, I have to bring my inhalers and my eye drops and my nose spray and my like Claritin or like my, you know, antihistamine pills. And I had to like prep just to be, be with my family. Cause I was really allergic and the allergy would lead to asthma. And then oftentimes I'd end up going to the hospital because I couldn't breathe. So I'm pretty sure like that this relates, of course, must relate to this reluctance or resistance that I felt already at that young of an age to like, I don't really want to run that far, you know, give me my 7.9 seconds, 60 meter race. Like I'll do that. I'm not running further than that. Like I'll run a hundred meters. That's it. You know, I'm not going to do the thousand meter thing. No. And I can remember this feeling of just like, it was really hard. And there was something about about getting to a point where it was a bit hard to breathe. And I don't know if anyone listening to this, like that's, that has chronic asthma. I'm also like, I'm trying to drop the word chronic. I think sometimes we get a diagnosis from a, from a medical professional at a young age that tells us chronic. And then, you know, things don't have to be chronic just because someone told us at some point, right? I think there's a lot of different ways that we can heal a lot. And then some things we have for the rest of our lives, sure. But like my allergies were supposed to be chronic for the rest of my life. And as I went vegan and changed my life, almost all of my allergies disappeared. And I, you know, got to experience that literally firsthand. So I don't want to say my asthma is chronic, but I still have it, right? But so for anyone listening who has asthma, like I'm sure you know that feeling of it can be really hard to distinguish when you're working out intensely or if you're going for a run or you're biking or you're exerting yourself in any way. It can be a really hard thing to distinguish between what is the difference between being out of breath or struggling a little bit because you're doing something hard, right? Like running or actually being in the beginning stages of getting an asthma attack. Like they're very similar. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting with that now as I'm actually running, like trying to figure out the difference. There is a difference between my body, you know, it's it getting harder to breathe because I'm literally running. I've picked up the pace. I'm doing something hard, right? Versus, okay, this is the beginning of like my trachea, like swelling up, like everything getting inflamed. And literally like my respiratory ways narrowing, like there's a difference between that and just being out of breath, right? There's a difference between asthma and being out of breath. That's a better way of putting it. So, and it's really hard. And I'm wondering when I was that age, like 10, 11, 12, if I just didn't know the difference, right? So I would get to that point where like, oh, now it's hard. Now I have to push. And then all of a sudden it got a little hard to breathe. 
And if you've had asthma all your life, you know how mental it is also. It's super, at least for me it is. And for so many people that I speak to, there's a huge mental component of literally I can, like if I'm in a phase where I actually have to use my inhaler a lot, which sometimes happens, for instance, every summer, and this is really trippy, but it's it's totally true. Every summer, these Saharan winds literally blow from Africa all the way across the ocean to the Caribbean. And Aruba gets kind of, the air gets just a little hazy. Like you can literally see it in the distance. And the air quality here just goes way down. And every time that happens, I get asthma all the time. It's just like I have a harder time breathing all throughout my day because of just, because of Saharan sand. Like, isn't that, isn't that trippy? So when that happens, and if I'm in that phase, like that can last a couple of weeks and I need to use my inhaler a lot, say I, I go somewhere, like I get in the car, I go to a meeting or I'm, yeah, I'm going for a run or whatever. And then I realize when I get there, oh, I forgot my inhaler at home. Even though chances were I wouldn't have to use it at all because normally I don't have to use my inhaler every day. The moment I realize, oh, I forgot it. Wait, what if I get asthma? Then boom, there, asthma arrives. Like it's like literally 10 times out of 10 that happens. Just the thought of maybe I'm going to have a hard time breathing and I forgot my inhaler that can trigger my asthma. So it's so related to what's going on in my head. It's really related to fear. You know, it's a, it's this bit of a bit of a journey, right? Like a hard thing to walk. And it's a hard thing to explain for people who don't deal with it because asthma is so specific, you know, the inability to breathe. It's like the fear of it's being out of control, you know, not being able to control your own airways, your own flow of oxygen. Like it's a scary, strange, strange and very spiritual journey as well. So I'm contemplating that. If, of course, that played a big role in, with my own reluctance to running. But still, all throughout my life, I have had this, this, this idea, this, this longing to run, <laughs> to just run, to just put on my shoes and run. And I really think it relates to all the times in my life when I was little where I heard no. Like for instance, we would do PE, like physical exercise, like in school. And I often got to sit things out because I had asthma, right? And I could use asthma to get out of anything because people knew like I had really severe asthma. I would go, I would have to like go to the emergency room all the time. Like that was normal for me when I was little. So I don't know if it started with people just giving me like a like get out of jail free card. Like you don't have to do this. That's hard, you know? And then I started using that for myself whenever I was lazy or whenever I, anytime I had to push myself out of my comfort zone, I was like, actually, I can't, you know, I, what if I have, you know, I can't really breathe. So can't do that. And of course it became a way of like sitting out on life a little bit, you know, missing out on life a little bit. There's a component to that. And I can remember this from childhood and it was, it's no one's fault. Like everyone just wanted to protect me. Of course, like I could just imagine, like if my daughter, if Leia had asthma at any moment, suddenly she could have an asthma attack and not be able to breathe and medication wouldn't work. And we'd have to rush to the emergency room and sit there breathing into a machine and spend the night like that. We did that so much when I was little. Like if I was my mom, I would be in a constant state of just fear. Like how scary is that? Scariest fucking like illness ever. So of course my parents were super cautious. Like they didn't want me to exert myself because of the risk, right? There was a risk that I would get asthma and I couldn't breathe. And then it's like this super scary thing. And of course, you know, if I would pet an animal, I was allergic to all animals with fur, like everything. 
And it's funny now because we have so many, we have so many animals, but like everything, you know, couldn't ride horses at my grandma's, couldn't pet any of the sheep or the cows, couldn't even go into like the chicken area, like at, at my cousins and my aunts, couldn't even be in the house, right? Like if someone came to class and they had a cat at home and they were petting their cat before they went to school, I would get an allergy attack, which would trigger my asthma, right? So like I was so, I was so sensitive, like I was so sensitive, So I can, of course, understand like teachers and parents, like, take it easy, take it easy, slow down, slow down, slow down. Don't run too fast. Don't go too far. You know, don't pet the dog. Like that was something that was just constant. Like, can you imagine how much I wanted to pet the fucking dog? Like I love animals and all my life was like, don't pet the dog. No, no, no. Don't touch the cat. No, no, no. You can't ride the horse. Like, and it was just, that was my life, right? Are you ready for spring? I sure am. Over here in Sweden, I make it my business to get outside and get some sunlight on my skin each and every day. But in the winter, that can be really hard and your body will feel the effect of that. Did you know that 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Luckily, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. Ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. You get nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. And the best part, you can trust what you are putting in your body because Ritual has the USP verified mark. That means that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. And only 1% of supplement brands are able to get this mark. So it's a big deal. Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I have taken Ritual for years because of reasons like this. I love knowing that the ingredients in my vitamins are actually doing their job. Otherwise, what's the point? No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So to go from that place, what it ingrained in me is also this feeling of like, the full richness of life isn't really available for me. Like it's this feeling of I can go 80% in, but I can't cross the barrier of 80% because if I go all out 100% in whatever I'm doing, you know, in complete and utter joy, in dance, in movement, in whatever, it's like I'm, I'm kind of holding myself back a little bit because that 20% that's left of just total immersing myself in that moment is just really scary. Like it's like stepping into this unknown, right? And I don't think everybody has this. You know, I think it's something that's really particular to how I grew up that really relates to the asthma, to this feeling of like, I can't exert myself. It's like something about my body. I can't go all in. And actually I've spoken to my therapist about this a ton, not recently, but about a year ago or like beginning of is it already a year ago? Yeah. Beginning of quarantine and everything. And I was, I was experiencing these things in my life where I really felt like there's a moment where I feel held back in my body. Like when I'm dancing, like I'll do ecstatic dance. Like I, every morning when I rise, like I go all in dancing, I get to a place where I'm moving my body so intensely where I just have to stop like, whoa, 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 too much. 
And I've been exploring that. Like, what does that mean? That feeling of too much. And then I slow down and then I like change the vibe and I, I don't go all in. I go 80% in. And I brought that up to my therapist and we spoke about that, this, that there is this feeling of like, I'm holding myself back or something is holding me back. And then the more I explored that, I realized that, oh, I had that exact experience giving birth to my daughter, like literally had that experience when I was pushing, sorry to take this from like running and asthma to literal like imagery of giving birth, but I had a 24 hour birth. It was really long. And then when it came time to push, it was so intense. It was so powerful. And like 10 minutes in the midwife goes, Hey, like she's going to be here any moment, like reach down. You're going to grab her any moment that any moment lasted for two more hours. Like it was like, I could only push 80% of what was needed. Like I couldn't get myself all the way. There was a literal feeling in my body. Like I couldn't access that all in that I really needed to give birth to my daughter, you know? So I had to push and push and push and push and push and push. And my midwife told me that in the end, she was like, it was really strange because I really, you were at that place of like, now she's coming now, she's coming now. But then it was like, when you were pushing, you were holding yourself back, you know? And I really, I really was. So I was talking about this with my therapist a lot. Like, I wonder if this relates and it relates to my childhood and of course the asthma. And then I was exploring like how asthma shows up when I reach for my inhaler, what just happened before that? What thought process did I have? Like all of this. And then I went into my 50 days of dynamic meditation and of course had that same exact experience in there too, that I would go into catharsis, which is the stage of dynamic where you go all out into emotional release, like rage, anger, sadness, panic, fear. I talk about dynamic a lot in this podcast. If this is your first time ever hearing about it, look it up. It's the best meditation of all time. And I often have that experience of like I'm raging in catharsis but I can only get, I can't go all the way because there's a feeling of like, man, what if I let all the anger out? Mm -mm. I can only do 80% of it. (laughs) So it's like this common, common thread. And all throughout my life, you know, having this kind of in the back of my mind, or I guess in the back of my being, like I'm held back, you know, can't have too much fun, can't feel too much joy, can't run the way you want to run, right? Can't move your body all the way, like this kind of feeling. The longing that I've felt in my bones to put on my shoes and just run, like I'm realizing now as I'm talking about it too, it's it's coming from a place of healing. Like it's literally coming from a place inside of myself that just wants to be free, that wants to go 100% all out, and be fully immersed in that experience and really just, and somehow like running or a long distance run. And now I'm using the word long distance very frivolously here. If you are an actual long distance runner or an ultra runner or something, then yeah, my idea of long distance, it's like how you warm up or something. I don't know. When I say long distance, I mean like not a short distance as in like Olympic training or athletics. I mean, like going for a 5K, that's a long distance to me. 10K, ooh, that's a lot. You know, I'm not talking about 100 mile runs, all right? But I, I'm, I'm sure that's obvious. But the idea of that, that image of like putting on your shoes, you don't need anything, right? You don't, you don't need to drive a car anywhere. You don't need to like go to a class. You don't need anyone to tell you what to do or to guide you. You don't need music. You don't need anything. You just put on your shoes and out you go. 
that whole image, like the idea of that has somehow grown to represent this ultimate feeling of freedom. And of course, it's not just like the getting out to do it. It's also like being able to run, even though it's challenging, but do it anyway, right? So it is challenging, but that there is a level of effortlessness there in the challenge. And I can resonate with this and feel this in my yoga practice, like things for me in yoga, like yoga, whatever class I take. And I can say this like with a lot of confidence. I don't even feel like I sound arrogant. Like there's no yoga class I can't take that I don't feel is easy. (laughs) I'm sure that's going to come back and bite me in the ass at some point. But seriously, like I can go any city I go to, I can take any class. And even if it's the most challenging yoga class ever, like I have practiced so much yoga asana in my life that I can hang. Like I can, even if I haven't done yoga in a long time, I haven't been on my mat for months. Like I can hang, my body knows, like it's, I'm there. And I know for majority of, you know, so many people out there, yoga is so hard. Like it's so hard. And it's not just like yoga is hard because there are hard poses or advanced things or hard because we're tight in the body or, you know, we're not strong in these areas, but it's hard to just be in that practice, to be in your body in that way, to dedicate that kind of presence to yourself is super hard to listen, to like coordinate body breath, like so many things that are really daunting and really, really, really feel so challenging to so many people. To me, it's not. And there's something in that, right? Was yoga easy for me always? No. You know, I started practicing yoga. I couldn't touch my toes. I was terrified first two years of practice that I was going to throw my back out because I had a lot of back problems my whole life, you know, and I had that feeling of, Ooh, this is scary. This is the unknown. Can my body move in this way? Can I bend like that? Can I twist like that? I had never done those things. I didn't know. Right. And the same thing goes with running. It's just with running, I never gave myself that two years to ease into the practice. And this is one of those things where where I have realized now during these past two months, like finally getting to this place where, yeah, I'm just putting on my shoes and I head out the door and I run. The number one thing that I have done wrong all this time, and this is like so ridiculous, I don't know. And I'm wondering, did people tell me, but I ignored them or... Like, why didn't somebody tell me I have been running too fast? (laughs) This is so, so fucking ridiculous. I don't know why all this time I've wanted to run. I've been running so fucking fast. Like, I don't know. I've had this idea of here is how you're supposed to run, right? This is how fast you're supposed to go. And I don't know why I have this idea if it's, if it's what I hear people running or I hear different paces or I don't know. But I had this idea, like you got to run fast, right? Because you got to get to where you're going. You don't want to run for a long time. It's almost like the idea of running for a longer time feels so impossible that I've I've had this idea. I have to get it over with quick, right? Let's just do a quick 20 minute run. And then I'm trying to keep like a six minute per kilometer pace. So a six minute per kilometer, which is the idea I've had in my mind all the time. Like that's you know, it's not very fast. It's not like the fastest ever. Like my husband runs like a whole minute per kilometer, like faster, but it's also not super slow. It's like, that's where I'm supposed to be. So six minutes per kilometer is a nine minute mile. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm going to like, my life is in kilometers. So this I'm trying to convert for all of you Americans out there, but that's what I've been trying to do. Right. So if I've been wanting to be like, okay, I'm going to run for like, I'm going to run for 20 minutes and that's like three K right? I'm going to run three kilometers in 20 minutes or eight should ideally be like 18 minutes. Maybe I could speed that up and do it in 15, right? 
So what's happened is I've started off going way too fast. Like I'm not a runner. I'm not in that kind of condition. Like I'm not never trained that way. So the idea that I should just head out the door and then run and then try to do five kilometers running at a six minute per kilometer pace, that shit is so stupid. And I think so many of us go about it the same way. We just head out the door and we think like, oh, we got to run pretty fast. Or it's that no one gave us permission to go really, 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 really slow. I don't know. So what I started doing now is I just decided one day, like I'm I'm just going to go really slow. Doesn't matter if it's this weird like merge between walking and running, like if it's like almost a walk, like it doesn't matter how far I go. It doesn't matter how fast I go. It just matters that I'm out here running. Like that's it. Does it like, there's no point. Like I remove the idea of, okay, do 3k, do 5k, do this, do that, or do this many minutes. Like I always had this idea of like, this is how long you're going to go for or how fast you're supposed to go or how far you're supposed to go. And I just removed all of those, all of those ideas, like all of that pressure of here's what you're supposed to be doing. And I decided this for me is going to be a moment in nature, moving my body. That's fucking it. And that's the same way I approached my yoga practice in the beginning. It wasn't like, Hey, do a 90 minute level three vinyasa practice and do every pose. It was like, roll out your mat every day step on your mat, see what happens. <laughs> like that was my approach for a long time. Do five minutes of yoga today. Okay. And then some days I did five minutes and then it became 10 and it became 15. And it was this no pressure place, which of course was much more inviting than going to a class thinking, okay, I have to do every pose exactly how the teacher does the pose and keep that same pace. Like that's really impossible to do if you're just starting out. So if you would do that, chances are you would take one class and never try again which is what I've been doing with running, except I've just kept coming back to it again and again and again. So I started slowing down and I'm going to tell you how slow I've been going. So I'm doing seven and a half minutes per kilometer. That's the idea I have in my head. Like that's a slow, like I almost, it's almost to the point of like, I want to move slower than I think I should. Like I'm really trying to slow down. Like it's started, started becoming one of my goals when I went for a run is to slow down, to run even slower. And then I can sense myself like getting back to that six minute per kilometer pace. And then I'm like, Oh no, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. So rather than the idea of speed up, which is how I've always approached running, I started doing the opposite. How can I go slower today? Which of course is this beautiful metaphor for all of life, (laughs) for everything we do in life. How can I move slower today? How can I slow down? How can I be more slow in my actions? How can I move more slowly through the day? How can I be slow in my relationships, in my listening, in my speech, in my presence? I think for most of us, like it's something we can really apply that really applies to us and how we move through life. Like how can I slow down? We're all looking to slow down. And for me, the idea of running was a part of that, of a slower life or of a more mindful, intentful, present life. But somehow I was heading out the door running as fast as I could, right? So just trying to slow down. So seven and a half minutes per kilometer is 11.7 minutes for one mile. Okay. I want you to like understand, like, and I want you to try to, especially if you're one of those people, like you want to run, but you don't know how, or it's too hard or it feels impossible. Try a run with that approach. How can I, how slow can I go today? 
Like literally, how slow can I make myself move today? So instead of it being about how far or how long you're supposed to be going for, just get out there and run as slow as you can. (laughs) I bet no running coach, like I bet I should never be a running coach, but I think this is great advice. So the thing that happened when I made myself slow down, when I got rid of this idea of here is what a run is supposed to be, all of a sudden I realized like I could run one kilometer, two kilometers, and suddenly I'm running three kilometers and I'm like, this is okay. And I would do like a a complete run and I would feel good all the way through. I never got to that place of, oh my God, this is the worst. That place I would always get to in every other run of my life where I just hated it, where it was just awful. That moment never came. And I had my first experience of that kind of run. And I was like, at the end of it, I just stopped. My jaw was open, like my mouth was open. I was like, what was that? Oh, that was a run at my own pace. So that's probably, and I'm just guessing here, but people who've been running for a long time, like who have that conditioning, who have that, who are in that level of shape, like that's probably how they feel when they run at their pace now, but they're running that six minute per kilometer, right? That whatever, eight or nine minute mile. And they're feeling like this all the way through because they've trained to get there. Like this is not rocket science. So why am I thinking that I'm supposed to go from never running and be able to keep that pace and also feel good? Or I had this idea of like runners must be crazy because they're doing this awful thing to themselves again and again. They're making themselves feel this awful, but they keep doing it. But that's not, not it at all. They don't feel awful. People who love running, love running. <laughs> like that's why there's this great divide between people who run and people who don't. It's because people who don't, we just can't understand you people. <laughs> like we can't figure it out. Why would you do this terrible thing to yourself? And then I had that first really slow run and I was like, oh, this is it. Like that was it. So I started doing that and then I just kept doing that. Like literally head out and I would do every other day or every third day in the beginning. And then it's just kind of intensified as I started feeling better and better. Never, ever, ever with a goal of here's how far I'm going to go today. Nope. And sometimes that would mean that I like, I wouldn't be able to complete a loop because I have these loops and these little trails where I go. Then I would just walk back. How wonderful. Like I got to walk. I got a 20 minute walk at the end of my run. Beautiful. Like no pressure, no idea of I have to make it back to the exact point where I started. No. Here's how many minutes I have to run for. No. Here's how far I have to go. How fast? No. I just removed all those things. And it completely changed. It completely changed my run, like 100%. And then, of course, now I'm going to share this like super cliche thing, which obviously like people tell you, but I never believed. (laughs) Like a month in of doing those really slow runs with no pressure, all of a sudden I could could go a little further. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm not joking. I felt like this was all news to me, that all of a sudden... If I ran slow and then if I ran consistently before I knew it, I could go a little further. And then before I knew it, I could keep a faster pace and still not feel awful, right? That's been kind of my my goal is to not feel awful when I run, right? I mean, it's so, so, so funny because this is all so obvious. I just, it just never clicked with me before. 
Bread is life. In fact, my entire family absolutely loves bread. But I like to make sure that what we're eating counts. And if you're like me, you're going to love Hero Bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious bready favorites free of consequences or compromises. They have remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and protein and fiber. Think of that soft, fluffy experience that you love when you're enjoying a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. But now it's made to really nourish you deeply. Hero Bread has something for every favorite, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. My team tried Hero Bread and said it was the most fulfilling thing ever, but it also felt lighter and healthier. So switch to Hero Bread now and you won't be disappointed. They even have a monthly small batch drops of indulgent favorites like the 2-gram net carb herb croissant or the 1-gram net carb herb cheddar biscuit. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code yogagirl at checkout. That's yogagirl at h-e-r-o dot c-o. So this is like my my number one piece of advice, you know, if you're going to ever take any advice from me about running, which I'm not sure if you even should be, to slow down. Like give yourself permission to really slow down. And if slowing down is hard... Pick a pace that you feel is really slow, but that still feels like running and make yourself stay there. Like sometimes I'll wear that like performance watch only so I can glance at it and make sure I'm not running too fast. Because honestly, my tendency is to pick up the pace. Like if I'm not present and really in my body going slow, all of a sudden it's like I'm a little energizer bunny inside, you know, and I just want to pick up the pace all the time. And then I can look at my watch and I'm like, no, 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 this is too fast. Like if I go this fast, I'm going to start feeling crappy in half a kilometer. And like, I actually want to be here for this, right? And enjoy it somehow. So I started doing that and then just everything really, really, really changed. The next thing that I did, which is going to be my second piece of advice, if you're going to take advice from me about running, which again, I'm not sure if you should be doing, is to look at the run as a moment to commune with nature. And that's been a totally life-changing thing for me. And it's changed a lot in my life, actually, not just around running, but having a moment every day, because now I'm running every day, because apparently that's the kind of person that I am now. I don't know. But before my run or after my run, I take a moment to really connect with Mother Earth. So this means I'm not running like where I used to go before when I was like trying to run but not really making it. I would go down, so here in Aruba it's called Malmok. It's like this stretch of totally flat concrete. Like it's like asphalt where where cars go. It's by the beach, so you have a really beautiful view. A lot of people run there, of course, because... It's a long stretch of flat nothing (laughs) of just road, right? So it's much easier to run because it's flat and because you have this even surface. Cars go by, a lot of people running, the beach is there, you see the sunset, you know, and you're not really, I mean, you're outside, but you're not really in nature, right? There's literally cars passing by every moment all the time and other people and stuff going on. And, you know, so what I started doing is I started going into these trails Aruba is one-fifth of Aruba's national park. And the North Shore, where we live, is uh, it's really quiet. It's all boulders and cactus. And if you follow me on Instagram, I've shared a lot of snippets of my little runs. You can see the landscape there. It's so beautiful. And even though it's harder to run there because it's trails, right? So it's like up and down. There's tons of rocks and like roots sticking out of the ground. And like you have to be totally present when you run there. 
it's so much more enjoyable because it's actual nature. So looking at the run, not just that like, oh, I have to complete this run or here's my workout of the day or here's like my moment to sweat or whatever. To look at it as this is my moment to connect with nature, to really connect with nature. So I'll take a moment and I do this every single time, either right before or right after my run, where I meditate with nature, where I squat down, I place my hands on the dirt or on the grass or into the ground, wherever I am. And I really connect and I breathe with her for a moment. And I bring gratitude from the earth and for the earth up into my heart. And I just sit there for a little bit and go, man, what a blessing to be here in nature. What a blessing to be connected to nature in this way. What a blessing for me to be able to come back home to myself because nature is who I am. You know, so in that sense, when I'm running, I'm not tuning out which I think a lot of people also do when running. It's like, I need a bunch of podcasts, so I'm super distracted, so it doesn't get boring, right? Or I need like the best ever playlist. Like I have a playlist that I'll listen to and I'll I'll share in, in a little bit too. But I really began those runs in communion with nature, giving gratitude to the earth and looking at it as an opportunity for me to be totally present and tune in. And I have days, like today, for instance, I had a really hard run. Like today was, I just woke up not feeling 100%. It was a really hard run. So like a kilometer in, I just was like, no, I'm going to need some music, you know. And then I'll put one headphone in and I'll listen to listen to the playlist that I, I have a playlist called Run. <laughs> and it's not even running music. It's just music that motivates me. But most days I, I, I'll keep my little AirPods. I have a little like belt that I run with. Oh my God, I feel like such a dork. I can't believe I have a belt that I run with. Oh my God, somebody save me. But yeah, I do. So I'll keep my phone and my AirPods in there. Oh my God, I'm laughing at myself. You guys don't know how much fun I've made of my husband over the years for being like a dork about running and biking and stuff. And then here I am and I have one of those stupid belts. Oh, <laughs> anyway so if it gets challenging you know and in one of those days then it's helpful to have a podcast or to have a to have music that motivates me or something like that but I would much rather approach the run as an opportunity to tune in and the trail really helps with that because if you're running on asphalt if you're running on road you don't really have to think you know you're just going you don't really even have to look because it's just a stretch of road straight ahead right so you're going to probably have an easier time tuning out, like checking out a little bit, you know, which is also totally fine. Like we can tune in, we can tune out, like we can go both directions. But for me, when I'm in the trail, because I have to pay attention with every step, I have to look at the trail. I can't be drifting off with my head in the clouds, you know, or getting lost in a podcast or something like that. Like I have to see where I'm going. I have to look at the ground. I have to look at the rocks. I have to anticipate the next step. So it just brings me totally in, you know, it brings me totally home. It brings me right into that moment. And I can kind of sense now that actually I have an ability to choose. I can tune in and be totally here. And also maintaining that level of presence for a really long time is hard. Like if I'm going for a longer run, it's hard to keep that up all throughout, but I want to begin that way, right? And then I can also choose to like tune out to like, oh, here's a stretch of road that's, that's easier, Uh, with less rocks like maybe I'll listen to some music now or like I have an astrology podcast that I really love I'll listen to that so knowing that I can choose to tune in or tune out but that I'm in one of those places right that actually helps me continue 
especially if I'm anchored in the present moment. And nature does that. So that's my advice number. I guess that was like two pieces of advice wrapped up into one. So to be in nature, to have it be a moment to really commune with nature and to let it be an opportunity to tune in, to be really present with your body, with the option to tune out when you need to, right? So maybe if you want, you can get one of those belts. I wish I like Q affiliate code for super cool running belts. I don't have one, but you know what I mean? So that's been really, 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 really helpful for me. Now, in my day-to-day, so this is day 16 of consecutive running, like now I have settled in, like I'm at a pace that feels good. I'm at a distance, like my regular distance in the day is six kilometers. And Dennis was telling me yesterday, like I my run yesterday, I was going to say I went for a run yesterday. Yeah, I'm running every fucking day. But on yesterday's run, he said, how far did you go? And I'm like, oh, no, just a short one, just 6K. And he was like, dude, a month ago, you couldn't do three. Like, a little, okay, maybe two months ago or a month and a half ago, like I was killing myself to get to three. And now you're casually coming home saying, you just went for a short one, you just did six. And I had this moment of like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm that person who thinks six kilometers is a short run. What? <laughs> because I'll have days when I'll go, when I'll do eight, I've like eight, I've done a few times. I've had a couple of niners in there. And then last week for date night, Dennis and I went running. And because I've been running in the trails every day here, like around our house, which is a more challenging kind of run. We went for a run in that, like along the beach and this long stretch of just flat road which of course is much easier. And I didn't really think about that. But like if you train or practice in a trail, of course, running on flat road is going to be much easier. And we were going to do, we were going to do five. So I thought we were going to turn around at the like two and a half point mark. And then he was like, let's go a little further. And I was like, okay, because I felt fine. And then all of a sudden, like we, we get to five and I was like, I get work. I guess we're going to just walk back. And then we turned around and then we just kept going. And then we kept going and then we kept going. And then suddenly I was up like eight and a half. And I was like, man, I feel so okay. Like it was hard at eight and a half. It got hard. I mean, it was pretty hard. It's always hard after like seven, but it got really hard. And I was like, no, I can make it to 10. Like I'm on this flat ground here. Like I can make it to 10. And I made it to 10. It was my first ever in my life 10K run. And I know for so many people out there, like a 10K is like nothing. There are people out there who run 10Ks every single morning. You know, there are people out there who literally do, like we have a friend that is, and I have, we have a friend who does ultra marathons, like who will run 150 or 200 miles through the desert. Like I know all of you people exist, but for a person who's wanted to run their entire life, who's hated running their entire life, who struggled to run anything above three kilometers her entire life to all of a sudden be able to run 10 K and feel good in her body. I mean, I, I, there must be some sort of award available for people like us. I mean, come on, like it's such a big deal. And I feel so proud of that. Like I really, 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 really do knowing that if I want to, I can go out and run 10 kilometers. Like how fucking cool is that? So when that happened, Dennis and I, we had date night. We started date night with a 10 K because that's just who we are now. And then we went and ate our weight and tacos and drank a lot of wine. 
because that's who we always are. So when we were there, like we were celebrating and then and he was like, so like you feel, do you feel that half marathon looming? And I was like, what? No, like this, are you crazy? Like I have no delusions or dreams of any half or full marathons. Like that is not where I'm heading at all. The one goal I have, which is what I shared with him at date night, and I'll share with you right now. And I think it's a modest goal because I think I can get there. The one goal I have is I want to be one of those people who can just go for a casual run in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever, and have that be a 10K that happens in less than an hour. That's it. Like that's, I want to run 10 kilometers in an hour or less. And then I shared this dream with our friend Patrick. He was like, but like, I, that, like that's what he does every day. You know, like he does the 50 minute, like 50 minute 10K. Like he's like, that's a very normal thing, Rachel. And I'm like, dude, it is not normal for me. Like that is, that sounds like, that's wild, wild for me. Because now the 10K I did, I had a six minute 45 second pace or 42 second pace. So it was like one hour and six minutes or something. If I can run 10K in 50 or 55 minutes, like that, that would be amazing because then it's also not taking up so much of your day. I don't want to run for like hours on end. I just want to, would like to be able to, to get there. And I'm here to tell you if I can get to this place and you want to get to this place, because not everybody fucking has to want to run, like running isn't for everybody. But if you're one of those people who've always wanted to, but felt like it's impossible or it's not accessible, if I can do it, you can do it. And I really mean that. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. So many friends in my life, like, literally have reached out to me saying, hey, like, I always hated running. I always felt like I will never be one of those people. But watching you do it, now I know I can do it too. <laughs> because I've been, the I've had the most resistance to running of anyone. Like, I have been the most vocal about the fact that running is the worst. <laughs> compared to everybody I know. So I'm really here to tell you, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's review the little pieces of advice that I don't know if you should be taking, but I'm sharing anyway. Number one, slow the fuck down. Like slow down way more than you think you should. Slow down to the point of like, is does this even count as a run? And then have it be your goal to run really, really, really slowly. Just a really beautiful goal is to like not feel like you want to die. That's a good, that's a good, great place to start. <laughs> Someone should put this on like a bumper sticker for me or something, I think. <laughs> okay, number two, run in nature. Like really run in nature. Don't just go, you know, down the road. Like don't run where there are cars. Also like where there are people. Try to have it be a moment of solitude where you can commune with nature. Number three, be in your body as much as you can. So tune in and then when things get hard, maybe have that super cool belt where you can whip out a podcast or something if you need to. So you can also tune out and keep on running, but try to tune in. So running in, a, in an area where you actually have to be present is a great way to do that. Like that's a beautiful tool. I'm so grateful I have this trail around that keeps me present. It keeps me in my body. And then I guess advice number four is to listen to your body in terms of what you need, right? So really remove all of those pressures of how far or how fast you're supposed to go and just focus on getting out there to run. And maybe some days that means you run one kilometer and you walk one kilometer and then that's your run that day. 
epic. It's the same thing as rolling out your mat and you did child's pose. Like that's a perfect practice. That's a perfect run. Doesn't really matter what happens or how far the run goes for, right? But that you get out there and you do the thing. So it doesn't even have to be like, I haven't said like, I'm going to run every day for the rest of my life. I've just every day felt like I can get out there and that's going to make me feel good. And if I end up doing something short or long or whatever, that's beside the point. It's just, I'm out there, right? I'm in my body running, feeling or experiencing some sense of freedom while in nature. Like that's really the whole goal of everything. And then finally, my last little piece of advice that I'm going to share is get a running buddy, and I'm, I'm adding this as the last piece of advice because I was really reluctant to this for a long time. I really never wanted to run with anybody because I don't want anyone to see me run, right? Because running was always so awful. And actually, after a while, when I started feeling more comfortable, like I can run at this pace, like it's I, I can be here. Then I started inviting friends out to run. So I have three people that I run with now. I run with Olivia, my best friend who's here visiting. I run with my friend Yvette who lives here. We run once or twice a week. And I run with Dennis when we have a babysitter and we can run together. And they all bring me something different. Like running with Dennis, I learn different things about running. When I run with Olivia, I learn different things about running. Everyone has a different pace, a different way to go about things. And it's actually a really beautiful way to be together. Because usually, you know, the first 20 minutes or something, we're talking. And then it's hard to talk. Like it gets hard to keep that pace or that length and still be in conversation. And then we're just kind of in nature together in silence. And that's a really beautiful way to spend time together. So that's my final little piece of advice. When you feel comfortable to have that friend that can motivate you or that you can just share the space with. So many times, especially the morning runs, which I have a hard time getting out of the house for, having that motivation of someone waiting for me there has really helped me get out the door. So it's also fun to have a running buddy just to talk about your run with because honestly, the people in your life who don't run, they don't want to talk about running. (laughs) Trust me, I've been them. So have a little running community or at least someone you can celebrate your small big victories with as well. I'm so excited. Also, I dreamt that I ran the Boston Marathon. I've had a lot of dreams about running, which I don't know if it means something or if it's just representing the fact that I feel joy when I run, which actually is the greatest accomplishment of all. That feeling of ease, that feeling of joy, that feeling of freedom that apparently I have longed for my entire life. And maybe there's a part of you that feels really intrigued or motivated or inspired or excited about running. Maybe there is something in there that really wants to come forth right now. So you can take the fact that you made it all the way through this podcast today as a sign that this week is a great week to start. If this podcast ended up motivating you to go for a run, please let me know, okay? Because this excites me more than anything. I so want to celebrate your victories too. So you can DM me at yoga underscore girl on Instagram, or you can talk about running with me in our community group on Facebook. Just search yoga girl on Facebook and you'll find the group there. I love you so much. Remember wherever you are, you're doing a great job and uh, I'm so proud of you. I really, really am. And I'm proud of me. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. Have a beautiful rest of this week and I'll see you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them at yogagirl.com slash podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you normally get your shows. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.